Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome again to Great Questions, Great Conversations, a podcast that uh, has Pastor Pete and myself talking with, uh, well, right now we're just talking amongst ourselves, but eventually we'll bring some uh, additional voices into this as well. Uh, but we are on episode number eight. And Pastor Pete, how are you doing? I am doing marvelously. We are getting ready for Holy Week. Uh, it is a very special time, exhausting time, but a special time as I think about uh, focusing on Jesus' death and resurrection, and and this is this is what our faith is all about. If Jesus has died and risen again, that's the answer to most of our questions. Yeah, yeah. And we, if, for those of you who missed it, if you're just joining us now, we talked about that in episode seven. If you have questions about the Christian faith and this whole idea of the resurrection of Jesus, I, I think it's a good episode to just go back and and have a listen to. And in fact, uh, Pastor Pete, as we were talking off air, th- this really, the topic we're going to talk about is the idea of fear. Um, and so I think it really, probably even more so, if I didn't say once before, you should go back and listen to the last episode because that one's going to be really important because it's all gospel. Um, we're talking about fear. And this is one of the questions that comes uh, to us in many cases. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, did I commit the unforgivable sin? Because that's probably one of people's biggest fears, uh, if they have the fear in God at all. But we read two, a, a couple of different ideas in the Bible. Fear seems to have the idea of that we should be afraid of God, <laughs> or that people are afraid of God. And yet, there are other places, especially when you see it in the Psalms and in other areas where fear the Lord, fear the Lord and yet God is like, no, but I am, you know, Jesus came to uh, be our brother. So I should be afraid of my brother. I should be afraid of God. But I thought he was, I'm confused. Help us understand fear in the Bible. Thanks, Mike. So you set it up very well. So uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we used, uh, I, I put up on the screen the, the what I call the fear meter. This is something that uh, one of the professors at the seminary showed me a long, long time ago in class. And I think it's very, very helpful that, that yeah, the, the word fear, and especially the, the Greek and Hebrew words, have two different concepts. So if you want to put up that screen uh, of uh, the, the fear meter. Yeah. So so on the, the, the one end of the fear meter is terror, right? that we have a reason to be terrified of God. Right. Uh, and fear can also mean respect, uh, that, that we just stand in awe of God. And both of them are biblical concepts. Uh, so the, the terror of God, uh, the, the, the passage that comes to my mind is Hebrews chapter 10, where uh, the author of Hebrews uh, in chapter 10, it's uh, verse 26. If we deliberately mm. keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And And the passage goes on and it ends with, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God that God wants us to know that there is a judgment. And if we are opposed to God 
be afraid, terrified, because this is going to be worse than any horror movie you could ever imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Punishment that that goes on forever. A, a mm -hmm. raging fire is God's judgment on us. Uh, and yet, uh, on the opposite side, respect in Psalm thirty, uh, Psalm one hundred and thirty, is the one that I like the most. Uh, I use it all the time. No, where it says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, yeah. O Lord, hear my voice. You know, you can hear the psalmist talking about, I know I have reason to be terrified of you. Or if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? I have reason to be, be trembling in fear. And then it says, but with you, there is forgiveness. And literal translation is, <laughs> and therefore you, you are, are feared. feared. Yeah. You know, well, obviously, fear there isn't terror, but with you there is forgiveness. Fear there is this idea of, wow, yeah. Look at this gracious God who saw all of my sins, and I am perfectly and completely forgiven. And and the 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 point that the professor made is. So there are these two kinds of fears, and God wants us to fear him. In fact, Luther's explanation of the first commandment is we should fear, fear love, and, love. and yeah. trust God above all things. And then every one of the commandments starts, we should, should fear, fear. <laughs> and love God. Yeah. What does he mean, fear? If our faith were perfect, that fear would be this, wow, I yeah. just stand in awe of God. Uh and that our faith is never that perfect. Yeah, I and I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, that yeah, that, that there's a Bible passage that perfect love drives out fear. Um and, and so it drives out the terror piece of things so that the only fear that you have left is this wow, awe, and respect piece of things. Um and yet we're in we're on this side of heaven. Uh the body has not died. <laughs> Uh, the soul has not been released to perf the perfection in, in faith in Jesus. Therefore, we will always wrestle with these two. We're, we'll be somewhere on the uh, on the scale, and that's why I appreciated this this illustration that the seminary professor used. So, when our faith is weaker, when we're, when we're struggling, maybe with you know, ah, I fell into the same sin that I do all over and over again. You know, I, I found myself griping and complaining and gossiping about a co-worker. And now I realize I wasn't going to do that. And I, I did it all over again. What, what, yeah. kind of, what kind of lousy person am I? God has reason to be afraid of, uh, angry with me. In a moment, in times of weak faith, where we're just going, you know, I don't think God can forgive me. Our fear is more terror. When our faith is stronger, in the next slide, when our faith is stronger, then... Uh, it, it goes up on the you know the scale, uh, and we we have this you know our our fear is more this wow I blew it again and God has graciously forgiven me again this is amazing and for us as Christians uh, we will go back and forth you know. Yeah. For many of us, I think it's, you know, if you're tired, you're stressed. Yes. Ooh, 
Holy Week's dress for for us who are involved in worship. Right. Uh, it's easy in the times of exhaustion for our fear to become more. You know, God's never going to be happy with me. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm just going to blow it, and, and and nothing I do is good enough. Uh, and and that's when we need to claim again. Oh, wait a second. Jesus, what we're celebrating this Holy Week is Jesus died on the cross for me. And yeah. no matter how many times I blow it, his death was mine and the tomb is empty. And I just stand in awe of this amazing forgiveness. So we're always somewhere in that, but we'll, we'll never be perfect respect. And, and when faith is present, you know, terror doesn't have to be the way that we think about God. We can always have this go, wow, feeling of God. You know, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking too some some practical applications. Because let's say you're, you're listening to this and you've been a Christian um, uh, for much of your life, and so uh, and and you read your Bible regularly, um, and and so a lot of times, it, it, I would say that it's more times than not, it can be that yeah, that I have sinned against somebody, and I start to see the consequence for my sin. I become very aware of it. Um, I deserve to be punished. You know, I, I can see that as you were talking though, there's another part of it that struck me, even for the people who have been in the church for so long, I, and I know we're all like this, but I ebb and flow with my reading of God's word. Mm -hmm. And so how, how I am in God's word, even how I use it, it's amazing. Like if I'm, if I'm using God's word to try to solve a problem, it's amazing how little comfort there can sometimes be to that. (laughs) Um, when on the other hand, I'm reading in relationship to just let God speak and I'm not always sitting there on an agenda to look up some recipe for getting out of whatever, whatever, answering somebody's question. It's amazing how that fills me. And yet, yet it's, it's, it's fascinating that whether it's sin or even just the idea of being in the word of God, when we're not in the word or we're, we're using God's word in my kingdom instead that that just kind of settles me back into this space. And I Mm -hmm. do not feel the comfort of, of that. If that's me, where do I go? How, how do I move? And and this is for the Christian because I want to go to the baby (laughs) brand new. Don't know. So we'll cover that one second. But how does the Christian wrestling with this in a practical way, return respecting that, but move into a, a stronger uh, awe, understanding of fear of God. How, how do we get out of that? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and I understand, by the way, everybody, this is, this is not an exhaustive list. We're not going to, yeah. you know, but just in what comes to mind, if you were comforting somebody who's struggling with that, a Christian. Uh, the, 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 one of the most important things to do is talk to some other Christian. Because when we try to self-diagnose, we tend to think what we need is more of God's law. Yes. You know, when you were talking about the rules, you know, when you feel lousy and you, you, I got to get, I got to do better. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to go towards the passages that are like the Proverbs. Do yes. this, do this, do this. And you go, boom, boom, boom. You're down farther and farther and farther because we misdiagnose ourselves. 
Yeah. And when we're, oh, God loves me and I can, <laughs> I, uh, you know, God will understand that I'm not going to obey him because he loves me. So I can kind of do anything I want. That's when we, oh, I'm going to read the Psalms and I'm going to claim these passages of forgiveness. And, and we need somebody to just correctly diagnose us and say, brother, sister, you know, you got to understand that our God is a terrifying God. And you you can't say, oh, God will, you know, God will give me a pass on this one. No, you know. So I think the key is we we need community as a as as a you know a family of believers mm. that you need fellow believers who are talking with you and that you're talking with regularly that can help you diagnose do you do you need to hear more law so that you get a proper understanding of the terror of God or do you need to hear more respect or more gospel so that yeah. we just stand in awe of God and our problem is we miss we misdiagnose ourselves yeah that's that's great it, yeah the idea that when i get so full of myself i need humility but a lot of times um either my sin will bring me to my knees because i will be humbled because i will act arrogantly i will act selfishly or uh god send somebody to call me to repentance and just say hey you're you're it seems like you're struggling with something and yet when we're down here that idea of honor you know just remembering how god has honored us gives us the ability to honor other people. And so when we see them in that place, in that space to remember that they are loved by God, the gospel calling us back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and in general, apply the Bible to yourself, the way you apply it to, to other people as Christians, hopefully, our default is to apply the gospel that you know no matter who i talk with and what they're doing i want them to know jesus died on the cross for you look mm-hmm. the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and and uh you know i'm not about making sure that they do the right thing right i, I i'm really right. about do they know jesus and then the right things will come yeah, uh, but you know we aren't that gracious to ourselves so often. So yeah, when our faith is weak, you know, focus in on just some of those basic passages, and that's why you know Psalm one hundred and thirty is one of my favorites. In the, in the darkness of the night, when when uh, you know all the you know failures of the past day, week, month. Uh, come flooding into my mind. I'm reciting the first few verses of Psalm 130 over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Just, but with you, there is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. With you, there is forgiveness. You know it all, and with you, there is forgiveness. Claim that for yourself. Apply that to yourself. Andrew Peterson wrote a song, "Be Kind to Yourself." You know, I, I it, it's a, it's a neat song. And as you were talking too, I just been thinking about the wisdom of the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. It always feel it always felt like to me like a one way street. Like I need to love my neighbor, and I don't really think about the love yourself. And so I, I'll I'm an enneagram too, so I'm a people pleaser and a helper. I'm I'm wired to be that way, so I'm naturally there. But I do not love myself that way um, oftentimes. And so it's kind of funny that for some people. 
you you love yourself well. So love other people that will balance you out. But for other people, they're really good at loving their neighbor. And that idea of reciprocate that back to yourself, that's just an interesting Yeah. It's so interesting that God put it that way, that Jesus said it that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Tell me you about know, oh, were you gonna jump well, in? I was Sorry. just gonna mention uh, a little, you know, I always like, like to drop a, a book idea. Uh, yeah. So Sue Fink is uh, the daughter of one of our members, Howie Pavlet, uh, and he wrote. Uh, she wrote a book. Um, oh, I, I should have had. I, I just thought of it now. It, it's selfishness or self care, something like that. Um, but it's a great little book because you know you mentioned your people pleaser, and and you know when I talked with her uh, at the Temple Love Fitness retreat this last summer uh, she just said you know i couldn't set boundaries for myself mm. because i need to love everybody else yeah you know that they're more important and she you know you, you realize that to love other people you gotta love yourself too right uh, so yeah i wish i could remember the exact name but it's sue fink is the is the sue author, fink is the author okay yeah yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll one of us will turn our phones off airplane mode while the other is talking, and okay. we'll figure right. we'll find it. Yeah, thank you. Um, the cool. other uh, the other one I want to deal with is for those of you who might be listening in and you're just kind of new to Christianity or following it, uh, or just somebody shared this with you. Um, I I hear from from people part of the objection to God is that so many um, people are, are looking at God from that standpoint, that, that, that terror standpoint, that if you don't know much about the God of the Bible, um, so much, let, let's face it, the rest of the religions of humanity are all based on what you do <laughs> to undo what you did. Um, There's it, it's punitive, uh, certainly in America, our legal system is all about judgment and guilt and who's guilty and who did this. We're in a very competitive world, so competition has winners and losers. Um, and so if you're coming into Christianity um, new to this, how do you help somebody who's trying to or exploring Christianity for the first time make sense of the what naturally comes as terror how how do we help people see it that don't know that? How do we help them see awe, the awe, the respect, fear, if you will? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm I'm just trying to think what's the difference between what you would say with to somebody who's struggling with a weak faith and somebody who's with a brand new faith. My um, thought was that the, the the Christian one has a lot more wealth of experience and information about the gospel, maybe. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's certainly true. Uh, but as whether we are lifelong Christians or uh, brand new in the faith, the message that we need to hear is the same. Mm. Uh, there's a hymn, I love to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, and it talks about how, you know, you, you know, the people who know it best are the ones who love it best. So we just need to go back and review the, 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 the story of our Savior's love for us. 
Mm. And for somebody who is brand new to the faith, uh, okay, let's tell more of the story that we can't assume that there's some of the back backstory. Uh, and then for somebody who's more long-term in the faith, uh, you know, you can, you know, you don't have to go into quite so much detail and, and it all comes back to their mind. But yeah. the message is the same. So many of the objections that we we will hear, you know, the angry God, which we've talked a little bit about in the past. Um, hard to make sense of, like, all. quite frankly, all the questions that we were, were being asked um, that we've been covering still are, if you don't have the right understanding, if you're struggling with the resurrection and why he came to do it, that's the starting point. So. Maybe a thought would be, um, I'll try this out and tell me what you think. I, let's get, we'll get to the, to the challenges and to the objections, but let's first review what's for, foremost. Uh, John 3.16, God so loved you that he sent his son into the world, not to the condemned world, you know, that, that, whole, that whole picture that we really have to help uh, people start there and just keep calling people back to the starting point mm -hmm. before we deal with the objections to it. Right. Right. Uh, it reminds me of something that uh, uh, Dave, uh, our campus planter mentioned in a message a while back that uh, when he was out in the, working in the secular world, uh, when they first people first found out that he had been a pastor, they went, you know, yeah, don't right. talk to him. He's going to judge me. You know, terror. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and mm. as they finally found out, he was just a human being, just like them, uh, and and loved them. Uh, that he said, you know, I really didn't have to use too much of my seminary training to answer people's questions. What they really just needed to know is Jesus loved them and forgave them that God could love them and forgive them. Mm. You know, just going back to this very, just this very basic uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, uh, we all want to, you know, to deal with the hard stuff, but most of the time it's, we need to deal with the, the very simple stuff because that's, what's going to help us the most because yeah. so many of these things just, they really don't have a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. I come back to, you know, uh, I, I'm just a little child compared to God. Uh, and and uh, uh, three-year-olds don't understand so much of what we as adults do. Uh, but if they know us and they know that we love them, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And that's true for me, too. If, you know, if I know God loves me. And he's forgiven me. There's going to be a lot of times where I just say, God, I just don't get it. Right. But that's okay. Right. There's uh, one follow-up question I think that's probably worth bringing into this. We've danced around it in a couple of other spaces. And actually, your Hebrew, the Hebrews passage that you quoted, I thought was um, was kind of went there. The idea yeah, deliberately keep on sinning, right? Deliberately. Yeah keep on sinning is there is there an unforgivable sin 
I'm concerned that I may have because I deliberately sin. Sin there on occasion. Um, I know that this is wrong, and I don't feel like fighting um, right now. And there's consequence that comes with that. Um, but did I just deliberately sin, and did I just did I just commit the unforgivable sin? That thought has crossed my mind, and I know it's crossed a number of people's minds. I know you guys get asked this a lot too. So, sure. could you talk a little bit about the idea, the unforgivable sin, and that del- keep on the deliberate sinning? Yeah. So let, let's start with that whole idea of the unforgivable sin. That's uh, Jesus uses that terminology uh, in a conversation with uh, the Jewish leaders, both in Mark chapter three and Matthew chapter uh, twelve. Uh, and uh, probably Matthew chapter 12 gives us more of the backstory that's helpful, where Jesus heals somebody who's demon-possessed. Mm. Yeah, and that's right. I'm going to it the, right now. The, the uh, Pharisees say, you are yeah. uh, casting out demons by Beelzebub, the chief of demons. And, and then Jesus just says, you know, logically, you know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, right. kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Right. And then he warns against, uh, you know, if you speak against the Son of Man, you know, uh, you can be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you know, so you're calling the work of the Holy Spirit the work of demons. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's the one who brings you to faith. Right. If you're ridiculing the Holy Spirit... There's nobody left to give you to bring you to faith. Yeah, yeah. And and then Mark's gospel gives us just another little piece that help is helpful because you know, so in Mark chapter three, verse twenty-eight through thirty, I tell you, people will be for, can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. See, that that's where I put together with Matthew. They were ridiculing the idea that the Holy Spirit was working through Jesus, even though logically they they knew that wasn't true because the kingdom, you know, if he casts out demons, he's not the demon, you know, the devil is not working, working through him. You know, right. the devil isn't going divide, to divide his house. So logically, you know, that's not true but you are still ridiculing the Holy Spirit who's working in me. Boy, there's n- you know, nobody else to bring you to faith. Mm. So it's, it's against better knowledge, you're ridiculing God. I know what God's word says. I know, and I don't care. So it, briefly, if, if you ever feel like, have I sinned against the Holy Spirit? The very fact that you're worried about it says, no, you haven't. Right. Would would you say say that Paul was in this camp? I mean, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and stuff, and so um, he had been, you know, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. And I mean, it it did take divine intervention to get Paul's attention, <laughs> but God so, does that still today with His gospel. Um, there's no. It, I'm going to stop talking because there is a question I want to ask, but respond to that. So this reminds me of a passage in discussions I've had with a number of people over Hebrews chapter six. 
that somebody was tasted the heavenly gift and rejected it, it's impossible for them to come to faith. Mm. And it's like, what? You know. And what I believe that Jesus is doing here and what the author of Hebrews is doing in chapter 6 and again in chapter 10 where, where it says, if you deliberately keep on sinning, he is speaking God's law in a powerful way to call us to repentance. See, there's law and gospel is, is this contrast. And law says one thing, gospel says the exact opposite. Right. It's impossible for you to come to faith. Nothing is impossible with God. Right. In other words, when God is saying, look out about sinning against the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says that, he is speaking law to warn us. Yeah. Don't take your faith for granted. Don't knowingly go against conscience, against what you know is right. Mm -hmm. But when you're convicted of that already, see, this is that, that self-diagnosis that we talked about earlier. Right. right then you right. don't need to, to hear that law anymore. Oh, what yeah. you need to yeah. do is a claim, but with God, nothing is impossible. The Apostle Paul is a great example. God should have just cast him into hell. He was a persecutor <laughs> yeah. and a murderer. And, and, and yet God, Jesus appeared to him yeah. and brought him to faith in the resurrected Savior. Why would be our question. <laughs> it's not fair. And yet God doesn't explain why. He just says, you're my chosen instrument. Yeah. So... When you're afraid that I've committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, remember that you have a God who can do the impossible. He brought Paul to faith, and the very fact that you're worried, have I committed the sin against the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has also brought you to faith. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is claim that forgiveness and so that you're on the fear meter. Your yeah. fear rises more towards respect. In an Ameri and in an American culture in which we judge everything, think about all the dance shows and the singing shows and the court shows and, quite frankly, sports talk radio. Um, all of the ways in which we judge, I mean, we just are there, and yet it would, it would seem as though less, let us not judge that any person walking has committed the sin against the Holy Spirit and is condemned to hell because while they draw breath, could they not be Paul? Could God not still move in a blaspheming, hypocritical, condemning, judgmental man or woman who absolutely hates Jesus and yet one encounter away from that happening too? Is that is that fair? Uh, I would I would agree. Let us always assume the best. You know that that that's true for you know as as people do things to us. Let's assume that they've got right. good reasons and let's assume the best about them. But let's also assume the best that that God, you know, can work the miracle of faith. Now, can I tell a story that may, uh, one of our, uh, Sigrid Becker, one of the prof professors, yeah. just in so many ways changed my life at the seminary. Now, he, he said that uh, in one of his parishes, uh, uh, a farmer member had a horrible accident uh, on a piece of farm equipment. Uh, and he was dying, mm. most likely dying. 
And uh, by the time Professor Becker, Pastor Becker at the time, got there, he was screaming all kinds of foul language, right? <sighs> you know, farmers can curse, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and his first thought was, I should say, you know, don't do that. But I went, no, what he needs to hear is the gospel. Hmm. You know, remember Jesus died on the cross for you. You are forgiven. Uh, and that person was comforted by that and died shortly thereafter. Mm. Assume the best. Sometimes we're going to see ugly, ugly parts of other people, the sinful yeah. nature of other people. And sometimes we're going to see the power of the sinful nature in ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's assume the best that the gospel can work miracles. And and maybe faith is still there even when sometimes we, we wonder if it's there at all. Yeah. Let's assume the best. And if we're wrong, well, no harm done. Because whether a person believes it or not, Jesus died for you. You, you lose the benefit of it if you don't believe it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, but I'm always right when I tell somebody, Jesus loves you, and he died for you. Yeah, yeah. And all the rest is, that's the rest is in God's hands. So yeah, I don't need yeah. to control the outcomes and, right. and things of that nature. Well, this has been very helpful. Um, I get a, a lot out of doing these things and these conversations, and I hope for, for you, our listeners, that me this is me helpful. Me too, by the way, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, sometimes we talk about where we're going to start, but we're, we both are like, I don't know where this is going to go. We'll just see. So keep the Bible handy, and here we go. Um, but I hope that, that for all of you who are listening, that when we talk, when you hear that word fear in the Bible, you have the two ideas um, between terror and respect, the wow, you know, the awe of, I mean, it's not even like respect your elders, because that kind of has terror in it too. It really yeah. is the awe of God. And that we will operate in a continuum between those two spaces as long as we draw breath on this earth. And an encouragement for wherever you're at to surround yourself with Christian community and God's word, because these are the things that will ultimately humble and also honor us uh, as we work back and forth between those two definitions. So, Pastor Pete, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really good. Great summer, brother. All right, guys, this is Great Questions, Great Conversations, episode number eight. We've been talking about fear. If this has been helpful, I encourage you to share it with those who you think might benefit from this conversation and what we're learning together. Uh, until then, we will be back at it again next week. It is Holy Week for us right now. So whenever you listen to this episode, we are praying that you will again find great comfort in the Good Friday sacrifice of our Savior and his risen victorious reality and what it means for you and me that we have a God that we can respect and just go, wow. I'm Mike Westendorf. This is Pastor Pete. Great questions, great conversations. We'll see you guys next time.